Ruchim Aboyim B'Shem Hashem Berachnuchem Eves Hashem Welcome to our weekly Shir Every Wednesday night Unfortunately I must say that next Wednesday night We're not saying this year But we could But it'll have to be live Um Actually, Tuesday night we're up all night, so we're doing a lot of shearing, saying Tikkun Leil Shvuz. Wednesday, Tuesday night is Shvuz, is first night. And Wednesday we're going to Talucha, walk to wherever parts of the neighborhoods, wherever we go. So, Wednesday night is very unlikely that we'll have strength to sit and give a shear, but we'll definitely have a Dvar by the table. How else could you have a yamtiv table? A lot to do, a lot to do. We can. We have to chaper in shvuz. We have to chaper in shchedish sivan. For those that are keeping the calendar, I believe today is chavches iyar shmul hanaviz yotzeit. Shmuel Hanavi. Wow. We gotta watch out. We don't know when they're gonna give away that grave. <coughs> the wonderful uh, government of Israel. We're giving away all the other tomes, Davra Melech, etc. You can never know with them. Anyway. Hagashivuis, Pashas Nosoi, Ah, someone's going to his shear. Are you coming? You coming for Gimel Thomas? Over there they're making it. They never do it right. They they think too much about a yard site. It's not. Uh, we'll talk about it after this year. Leave it, leave it. Don't call these guys. They're waking them up. On a shkedish seven, Tovshin Tezvov, five seven one five, nineteen fifty five. For those of you that remember the year. Did I ever give a letter out? I'd like to read excerpts of the letter. <coughs> the Rebbe says it is un- surely unnecessary to elaborate the close relationship between the physical and the spiritual, which even modern science has become convinced of. Physically, at this time of the year, we find nature again in full bloom. After a period of hibernation... It springs back to life with renewed vigor and vitality, faithfully reproducing the same elements which characterized the same period a year ago and two years ago and all the way back to the first seasons of the nature cycle. In our religious and spiritual life, also we have the seasons and festivals which recur year after year and reproduce the same spiritual elements which first gave rise to them. Thus, at this time of the year, with the days of Svira connecting the festival of Passover, which is the physical freedom, with the culmination of Shavuos, which is spiritual freedom, we can, if we sufficiently prepared and attuned to it, relive the experiences of our ancestors who actually witnessed the revelation and accepted the Teda at Sinai. What a long way our ancestors covered in the course of the fifth, about 50 days. From the abominations of Egyptian culture, in which moral depravity and polytheism reigned supreme, but pure monotheism at Mount Sinai, where the Jews received the Teda with the call of Nasa and Ishma. Nasa first. And then Nishma, complete surrender of man to God. <clears throat> Through the medium of Theta, God descends on Mount Sinai 
and the Jew ascends to God. The soul is released from all its fetters, tying it down to earthly things, and on the wings of fear of God and love of God, unites with the Creator in complete communion. It is then that it can fully appreciate the inner meaning of I am God, thy God who brought thee out of the land of Egypt, the house of bondage. And the rest of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet, etc. Not only refrain from taking what is not yours, but not even desire it. This great rise from the abyss of Egypt to the sublime heights of Sinai was attained by pure and simple faith in God. From the day when parents and children, women and infants, several million souls in all, set out on the trek through the desert, not dismayed but by the irrationality of it, but simply, diso- simply obeying the divine call with absolute trust. This one special divine favor, in the words of the Prophet, I remember upon, uh, unto thee the kindness of thy youth, the love of thy betrothal, thy going after me in the wilderness. This is said words that are said on the high holy days. It is this faith that carried the Jews through the through the ages. An insignificant physical minority in the midst of the hostile world. A spot of light threatened by an overwhelming darkness. It is this absolute faith in God that we need nowadays more than ever before. It is said the whole sun is reflected in a drop of water. And so the whole of our nation is reflected in each individual. What is true of the nation as a whole, is true of the individual. The core of Jewish vitality and indestructibility is in its pure faith in God. Not in some kind of abstract deity hidden somewhere in the heavenly spheres who regards this world from a distance, but absolute faith in a very personal God who is a very life and existence of everybody who permeates where one is and what one, or what one does. Where there is such faith, there is no room for fear or anxiety. And Dabra Melech says, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. With me indeed at all times, not only Shabbos and Yom Tif, or during davening, or meditations in God, and when one puts his trust in God unconditionally and undeserved, unreservedly, one realizes what it means to be really free and full of vigor. For all of one's energy is released in the most constructive way, not only on one's, on one's behalf, own behalf, but also on be, in behalf of the environment at large. The road is not free from obstacles and obstructions, for in the divine order of things, we are expected to attain our goal by effort. But if we make a determined effort, success is divinely assured, and the obstacles and obstru- obstructions, which at first loom large, dissolve and disappear. I wish, I, I wish you to tread this road of pure faith in God, without over, unclear and original, what exactly is said, without over-introspection and self-searching, as in the simple illustration of a man walking, he will walk most steadily and assuredly if he will not be conscious of his walk and not seek to consciously coordinate the hundreds of muscles operative in locomotion, or he'd be unable to make his first step. The Rebbe finally signs the letter wishing you success in all the above and hoping to hear good news from you and yours, with a blessing, happy yom, to receiving the Tata with inner joy. This letter is actually found on Chabad.org. The Rebbe gives a simple Sukkot, a Shavuos message. 
In the beginning, not in the beginning of the letter, it's actually a middle of the letter that we get here. It's only an excerpt. <coughs> Sorry. The Rebbe explaining how the person has four seasons in a year and a calendar, and so the person within himself has it. But what the Rebbe explains here more than anything else is the faith that a Jew must have in God. The belief that a Jew must have in God. It's not, I have to think it through and why and who am I feeding, who am I believing, what am I believing. But rather, I understand completely and blindly, but yet I know that God loves me and God creates me constantly. So much so, the example that I begin is of a person that walks. When you walk, you make a step forward. You are moving so many joints and tendons and muscles and sinews and bones, etc., etc. If you would say to yourself, concentrate, what exactly am I doing by making this first step forward? My toes, my foot, my ankle, my heel my calf, my shin, my knee, my kneecap, my ligaments, my, and all this is happening now, you'll never be able to make the step. You'll be so involved and entrenched in what's actually going on and transpiring, the step won't happen. So the person must just step forward. And so too says the Rebbe is the belief in God, how a person must believe in God. The Tzibya Bolton told the story. He, like most Chabad Chassidim, on Fridays, goes on Miftzayim to put on film with Yidin. Now I am fortunate, and I have a route of offices that I go to, and they're inside, indoors, and by people's desks, or wherever it might be. One place, unfortunately, is a, not unfortunately, but business is business, is a uh, a bath and plumbing supply, <coughs> bath, showers, sinks. So you know, in the middle of all the toilets, you're sitting there putting on film with a person, but they're <laughs> showcase toilets. <laughs> they have today even the toilets are, are just you know you walk by one of the toilets, it opens up. They have an automatic thing to it; it has an eye to it. You stand in front of the toilet, it opens up for you. Even the toilet can have delicate He was standing, putting on tefillin, he would set up a table in either a central bus station or wherever he might have been situated. Set up a small table, take out his tefillin, put it on the table, and say, Adoni, Adoni, My friend, would you like to put on tefillin? <coughs> now, in America, we can't do that so simply. In America, you say, uh, "Excuse me, are you Jewish?" <coughs> you know the famous story of the little old lady who gets on a bus. Picture a little old lady. In case you don't, you never met a little old lady. Picture what a little old lady would look like to you, wobbling on her cane, and the bus driver lowers the bus down in New York. I don't know about anywhere else. The buses can go down. So the lady doesn't have to step up to the bus. And then she's walking up her three steps. The only seat this little old lady, a nice white Jewish old lady, sits down. The only seat she could find was next to this seven-foot Schwarze. He's big like the Golis. And just had one of those unsympathetic faces. And the bus driver closes the door and starts to drive. And much to his despair, he hears the little old lady turn to the Schwarz and say, Excuse me, mister, are you Jewish? Schwarz gets infuriated. And he says, No! The bus driver is petrified. The guy's going to throw her out the window. The little old lady just keeps knitting her thing. A little while later, she says again, Excuse me, sir, 
Are you sure you're not Jewish? He says, I'm not Jewish. <laughs> That's it. The bus driver says, call the Chavre Kaddish and this lady is dead. He's going to kill her. Gadisht. Fart weiter. And once again, she says to him, Mister, I'm getting off in one more stop. Please just tell me this sh- the real truth. You really not Jewish? The guy in the Schwarzer felt bad for the old lady already. She says to her, Okay, I'm Jewish. She looks at him with big white eyes and says, You sure don't look Jewish? Anyway, in America we have to ask the people, Are you Jewish? Here, in Israel, it's just, You want to put on film? He calls over a fellow, he says, The guy looks at him, and blew a gasket, as we say in America. He started screaming at this guy. And he started yelling and lacing into him. The guy was petrified, he was going to kill him. In America we say, he got in his face. And he's up against nose to nose. And he's screaming, You and your twillin, you mishugayim, you put me in jail for two months because of this twillin. The rabbi is looking at him. So I put you in jail. What are you talking about, mister? See, he starts to tell him. A few months ago, I was supposed to report to army. And uh, my friends and I decided we're going to go to the beach. We can go to the beach. We're we're cutting. (laughs) When you cut from school... It's a little different than when you cut from the army. You cut from the army, you go to jail. The kid said, we decided we're going to cut out. So I was walking by Tachanamek Hazid somewhere, central bus station, and one of you guys with a table was sitting there. And he said, Slicha, you want to put on film? He says, sure. I put on film with the guy. As I'm putting on film, the military police saw me. And they grabbed me and they arrested me. I sat two months in military prison. All because of your stupid filling tables. You stopped me in the street and that's what happened to me. <coughs> so Rabbi Walton looks him in the face. And he says to him, Take it, tell me. Would you like to put on filling? soldier looks him in the face and says, Lama lo. Why not? <laughs> he rolled up his sleeves and <laughs> Who's like the Jewish nation? After all, said and done, prison, this and that. We come to the Chaga Shavuos. We're going to jump back and forth today. The Chaga Shavuos and Shredish Sivan. Before we go back to Chagash Fuz, let's give a little bit of Chedish Sivan. Reish Chedish Sivan. Miat Shem on Friday. Erev Shabbos is Chedish. It's a beautiful thing. You can run yourself into a maid, one of the bigger Shilas. And I'm actually going to just throw the Shaila out. And all listeners, clap, cop, and want, bang your head in the wall, figure out the answer. A man sat down on Friday afternoon and he decided he's very, very hungry. And the chalas just came out of the oven. They were so fresh. They were so good. The house was just... The smell was wafting. He couldn't hold himself in. He was starving. He sat down and he washed. Sorry, and he started to eat the challah. And he ate the challah. And he sat and he drank something and he ate something else, he drank something else. And lo and behold, in came Shabbos. Started Shabbos. What does he do with Birchas Hamazin? Will he bench 
the grace after meals, what did it say? Because it's Shabbos. With Yalav because he washed during Rish Chedesh. Or with both, because he didn't bench on Rish Chedesh, and therefore now he's still eating on Shabbos. We'll leave this to your imagination. At 2 o'clock in the morning tonight, I will accept emails for those who cannot sleep. I need the answer. No. If you know the answer, you're like, you go to sleep. What's the problem? If you know the answer, you're good to go. If you don't know the answer, and you can't sleep tonight, until you base Sivan, we do not say Tachnun. From Rishchidish Sivan to Yudbeis Sivan, you cannot fast. You do not say any of the supplementary things that are said for a dead person or the Yihiratsa for those who say on Monday and Thursday in their shul after Kriya Satayra they say Yihiratsa. We do not say it either. It is very joyous days. The first days are days that lead up to Shavuos are days that the Yidin Vayichan Shom Yisrael Neged Ahor the Jews came to rest and as we know the famous Vayichan and not Vayachanu they came in a singular form and therefore it was Ish Echad, Vlev Echad, all one. Ultimately, Shavuos came out on Shabbos, the first Shavuos, according to the day of the Gemara. Since the first Shavuos is on Shabbos, one was not allowed to bring the carbon of Yom Tif, his private Yom Tif carbon. person that was Eileregel was not allowed to bring their private carbon. So he had to bring it the day after, which was Zion. Now there were many, many people there, so therefore it was not simple to just bring those carbonas. They had until Yudbeiz Lachedish to make up, to supplement these these sacrifices. And therefore, it is until Yudbeiz Lachedish, until the twelfth day of the month of Sivan, that Tachnun is not recited. Sivan is the third month from Nisan. Nisan ir Sivan. In this third month, the Teda, which is Teda Neviyam Eksuvim, three parts, was given to a nation of Kehanim Leviyam Yisraelim, three parts. Yarchet Lisoi, in the third month, the third nation, the, three, the nation of three, was given the Tera of three. Neshkei Yisivan, as we also said, embarks on the new season, which is also another concept of the month of Shavuos, another name of the month of Shav, sorry, not Shavuos, of the month of Sivan, but with also another name for Shavuos, Chag HaShavuos, Teresenu, Chag The name Sivan comes from the Babylonian name. However, as we said before, the Torah refers to it as the third month. Another third is the concept of Mesha Rabbeinu being the third child of Aaron, Miriam, and Mesha. Him being the third child.
similar to the time of the Matan Teda when we accepted the Teda of Sinai, where the days before Matan Teda we were asked to refrain abstinence, certain abstinence, certain hanhogis behaviors, restraint had to be taken and be done. Similarly, in the days that lead up to Shavuos, to Matan Teda, we are to see to it to be a little more stringent. It's almost like Chaydish El prepares us for Rosh Hashanah, but here we just have the few days before Shavuos that prepare us actually for Shavuos. Teda also has three different concepts to it. There's learning Teda, understanding Teda, and then the simple holiness of Teda. Whether you learn it or you don't learn it, whether you understand it or you don't understand it, the Teda still will have its holiness. The Kedusha of Teda will still be there. In the olden days of the communist regime, it was forbidden to have Svarim. A person cannot have Hebrew books. In the shul, like every other shul, instead of having a box, they had a room for Gniza. Shemus. Which means books that are torn, that are shredded, papers that tore out of a safer. You can't throw them out. They're all holy things, holy items. They were put into this room. Eventually they were gathered and they were buried. Chosid Mendel Futafat, who I'm sure we've told many stories about him. The Mendel Futafas once observed an old Yidl going into the room of Seamus and coming out with a bunch of papers. Pages! Seamus! And he said to him, uh, My eye, what are you doing with that? He said, I'm going to take it home. I'm going to bind it. I'm going to bind it. And I'll have a safer. So he says, but the safer will have no hands or feet. There's no, you don't have pages from the same book. You have pages from all different books here. You have from a Siddha, from a Tillam, from a Chumash, from a, there's whole different books here. So he said, the Mendel, I'll tell you the truth. There are, the Tata has, as we just explained, three different things. Learning it, understanding it, and just plain having it. And that's what I have here. I just have to have holy book. Yes, it's not going to be a real book. Yes, it's not going to have anything. But there's going to be a book. It's going to be a bunch of holy papers added together. We spoke before about Chavchas Ir. Is the, the yard site of Shmuel Anavi, the day that Shmuel Anavi died, and it's considered a tainus sadikim. It's also there's also a tainus sadikim on Chavtes Ir. Svardim have a custom to go to a caver. They usually go to caver El Kona, the father of Shmuel Anavi. 
mother and the brothers that were buried there. Erev Rishchidosh, which is tomorrow, is a very special time for tshuva. And many, many people really fast on Erev Rishchidosh. Sivan, Kippur Kotten, at least till Chatzais. Some fast till after the Meilat. The Meilat happens to be, I think, before it even starts. And of course, if there's a minion, they lay by Chal, by Mincha. But in order to fast on this day, you have to say it from the day before. By Mincha, you have to say that I'm going to accept a fast for the next day. If you didn't accept it, then you can tell Ben Hashmashas, we're past that already. But if it, fasting is going to interrupt his Tera, or his davening, he should better not fast. You should learn better, learn more, and see to not talk, frivolous talk, and of course to give extra tzedakah. But even if one is not fasting, they should do tshuva, cheshbanefesh, they should see to fix and to rectify whatever they can. We are going to meet Shem tomorrow evening at 7.30. We hope to meet by the Ohel. Um, also, as, just as such, we're not fasting, but at least to give in our supplements to God prior to Shechedi Sivan. Shechedi is a day that never come out on Shabbos. It's only one day always. Sometimes the Shred is two days, the Shred is only one. Shred is can only be on a Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Fact. If the Shred comes out on Mat Shabbos on a Sunday, <coughs> and you ate your meal until Mat Shabbos, We're not going to tell you what to do. Because then we ruined the one we said before. <laughs> Those are basically the laws of Rishchei Dishtivan. Make a little turn. Discuss one of the many mitzvahs and the longest parsha of the Torah. Parshas Nosei. Nosei Esreish B'nei Yisrael Simple meaning Nosei, to lift up <coughs> Nosei really means to take a census Wanted to count the members of the family of Gershon the ones that were capable, that were eligible to go to battle and to serve. But the actual translation, Nasai, also means to raise up. Why does he use this expression? This is a fundamental principle in Jewish life. Shulchan Aruch begins the first paragraph and the Shulchan Aruch is Heve Oz Kanemer Kal Kanesher Be brazen as a leopard and one should do not be embarrassed do not be ashamed when confronted by scoffers when it comes to fulfilling Hashem's <coughs> God's will The person at this point, when someone comes against him, when he's doing God's work, needs to arouse the sense of ascendancy, of ritual greatness that a person bears within himself. And this way thereby raises up his own head 
and emphasizes the realization of the, what God is giving, courage, the strength of purpose of a person, so that they entirely become unfazed from what's going on around him, and they should only be serving God. And thereby, says the message of the Teda, Nosoi Esroish Bnei Yisrael, raise up the head. One of the many mitzvahs in Pashas, Nosei, and a large chunk of today's chitas, strange, strange mitzvah. Ish, ish, kisiste ishtoi. Each man whose wife sins against him. Those keeping score at home, the beginning of Masech Seita, which we're not discussing now as yet. The Seita we'll talk about later. Daf Gimel and Aleph, the Gemara tells us, A person does not sin unless he does frivolous thought comes to his mind. There's a wonderful, wonderful sefer from the Rebbe Rashab, known as Kuntres Umayin Mibeis Hashem. Kuntres Umayin Mibeis Hashem is built on this concept of Einad Mchedash Nichas Beirushtus. How do we know this? Says the, the Gemara. Shenema. For it is written in the Teda Ish Ish Kisiste Ishtei Siste Kisiv. Siste is a lotion of shtus, stupidity, frivolity. Why is the Teda telling us, Einadam Eva Aveda, by the din of Seita? There are so many places in the Teda that this could be said. Why, Dafka, when it comes to the din of Saita, does the Taylor mention about a person not being Eva Aveda? It's Shaykh to every sin. I don't know what this is. Every sin is the same issue. That if a person does a sin, it's only because of stupidity. Why such a stringent sin does it choose? The din of Saita, Rahman al Islam, is as we mentioned, a married woman leads a wayward life and goes with another man, goes off to be alone with him or to be with him. Horrific thought. God forbid that a married woman should do such a thing. Knesset Yisrael, the Jewish nation, celebrates Chag HaShavuos, the marriage between the Jewish nation and God. And therefore, since we are we are married to God, we being the, the the wife and God the husband, and the Gemara says, or the Medrash says, Eizah Ishik Sheda. Who is Ishik Sheda? Eizah Rotzin Baila who does the will of her husband. Which means to say, of course, 
even the slightest nuance, the slightest hiccup, the woman does not do deviate from what the husband wants. And therefore, the same is between the Jews and God. Every Aveda, every sin that a person commits, God forbid, is a sin of a wife against the husband. Because the person is being nifrad, from God. He's separating himself from God. Therefore we learn that Dafka from here Dafka from this Pasuk of Kisista Ishtay to stress the severity of the sin of a Jew the wife to her husband the Almighty God. The Holy Bashem HaKadosh The Holy Bashem Tov was of a level of spirituality of Kedusha as we hear or enumerate by many not many as such the Cheza of Lublin so from one end of the world to the other and so too obviously did the Balsham HaKadosh it was at one point that the Baha'i Balsham felt a Jew was in trouble and he dispatched the Bazil Yasef to go help him what happened here Lipa grew up in a town called Haraki and was a brilliant child a brilliant child so much so that has caught the eye of everyone he was the a prodigy the prodigy in the town and grew up as a prodigy was taken under the wing of the greatest of sages in the town Needless to say, when Lipa had to to get married, they were fighting over him. And fought they did until the wealthiest man in the town won. And he gave Lipa whatever he needed to just sit and learn Tata. He didn't have to do anything else. This man was a merchant. As a merchant, you can make a lot of money, or you can lose a lot of money. As a merchant, you can pick up a good deal, or you can lose a good deal. This man, Baruch Hashem, whatever he touched, turned to gold. And this merchant obviously met and saw people from all around, came in contact with many different people from all over, (coughs) until um, he amassed a large, large amount of money. Lipa, in turn, sometimes came to his father-in-law's house and met these travelers met these people, saw them, and engaged with them, conversation, and they were impressed with his insights, and people would like to come now just to visit Silipa. Unfortunately, Philippa, this business world started to twist his head, turn his head. It turned his head to such an extent that he felt that maybe he could make money. 
And he started to go into the business. And he started to make money. And he started to make more money, and he was making money hand over fist. People liked him. People appreciated his intellect. People appreciated his insights, as we said. And things were going very well for Lipa. He got to a point where this Lipa, who so loved learning Teda, so loved spending his days and nights with the Teda, found, unfortunately, a new love. Money. Power. It got so bad that his wife was an obstacle. The whole Yiddishkeit, the whole life was an obstacle. And so Rablipa picked himself up and walked away from it all. He traveled to another country, bought himself a nice mansion, a palace, continued his businesses, and lived a total different life. One day, his Rebbe from Harki heard where Lipa was. So he took ten students. And he thought maybe, maybe, if he goes, he can convince him. Come back to do tshuva. The Ruach went into him and he turned his head. And he traveled out to see him. Much to his dismay, Lipa himself opens the door. No beard. No yarmulke, no tzitzis. No mezuzahs on the door. He was devastated. Lipa was very happy. Oh! My old teacher. He was nice, he was happy to see him. And so, Lipa sat with him one hour, two hours. He asked him to stay overnight. And Lipa stayed overnight. One, the Rebbe stayed overnight, one day, two days. But finally when he saw that he wasn't getting anywhere, Lipa was not getting was not looking to change at all his mind. He picked up and he left. And he said, Lipa, if you ever want to come back, I'm always here for you. Unfortunately, Lipa told his teacher he had no intentions. Every day, his Rebbe would say Tilim, especially Philippa. After davening, he would say X amount of time, Tilim Philippa. Hoping, hoping that his Tilim will help. One day, years or so later, he was saying Tilim Philippa. And he felt he needed to say more. And more. And more. The people in the shul had gone already. And he was all alone saying his Tehillim. As he was leaving, in the corner of the shul, sat a vagabond. Shnada. Torn clothing, sitting in the corner. Also saying some Tehillim. And he looks at him and says, Rebbe, you say Tillam Philippa. He says, Yes. There's no reason to say anymore. Oy vey. 
first thing he thought was the worst possible thought. Chas v'shalom, Lipa has perished. And he says, Why, what happened to him? The man stands up and says, Rebbe, don't you recognize me? It's me, Lipa. I've Baruch Hashem returned. I've done Shuva. He says, but, but Lipa, how did this happen? So I'll tell you. You came to me. I felt nothing. I said, okay, you're here and you're gone. A few weeks later, a handyman came to town. A Fumju, Azil Yosef. And he had the place rolling. Everybody fell in love with this guy. He had good hands. He could do whatever he need, whatever the people needed. He had a fantastic tongue. Everybody was able to hear whatever he needed to say. He was just an amazing person. One day I got a cheshik to invite him over to me. I said, like, pretense. I told him, come fix something. He came to fix and I started talking to him. And I saw he's talking to guy. And then we started talking in Tater. He says to him, Rebbe, I must tell you, we had the same level of knowledge. But his enjoyment for what he knew was a thousandfold compared to mine. <coughs> I asked him, what is it? What's your secret? Why do you enjoy Tater so much more than I do? Since the Baal teaches us when we learn Tater, we have to learn with Simcha. You're learning it out of Mechen, not out of the heart. You're learning it out of your mind, out of the intellect. That caught me, he says. And for that, I decided I have to do Tshuva. And here I am. I sold everything. I gave all my money away to Tzedakah. And I've been running and walking and going from town to town, wandering over the year, until I came here to do Tshuva. This is, takes us to the last Mishnah of the last Pedic of Pirkei which we say this Shabbos. For those that only save from Pesach to Shavuos, today is the last week. This week is the last week. Chabad, we say again each week. We repeat the cycles for the Shabbosim from Shavuos until Rosh Hashanah. Because the summertime is the most trying time, most important to learn the laws of Pirkei Everything God <coughs> created His world. We did not create only for His honor. Shnemer says, Because all those that have called my name, it's my glory, that I created it, I formed it, I made it, Finally, it's the Eimer. It says, "Hashem Yimleich Leilam Vod." Hashem will reign forever. This is the final Mishnah, Apik Yavis, and this teaching pasuk is appropriate for the conclusion of Apik Yavis, which is known as we said, Mil Chasidusa. It takes us a measure beyond the law. Because when a person realizes <coughs> everything in the world is alluded to in the concept of spiritual worlds, refers to the three worlds, Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. The person sees his role in a total different fashion, and therefore he realizes kisista ishte that by doing something the other way, doing something wrong, he's sister, he's turning away, God forbid, from the proper path. So by reflecting this way, what keeps one on the proper path, 
And that's why he finishes off Hashem Yimlech Yailam Vaid again refers to the time of the Geula the ultimate goal of the person that does what he has to do is to rush to bring in the era of Geula Amitas Vashlema. Similarly, we find towards the end now of Masech the Seitas, we come towards the end. We won't have another shear while we're studying Seita. We turn to Daf Mem Zayin. We have a story of Rabbi Yeshua ben Prachia. We have a story of Rabbi Yeshua ben Prachia. Do remember where it starts over here? We're getting closer and closer to a meaning over here. I'll tell you the kids of the story we'll read it from the inside of the text. You might ask, what is the story that happened with Yeshua and Prachia? We're getting a new station today. It got bigger. There's a king, Yenez, who put the Rabbanim to death. At that time, Shimon ben Shatach went to hide by his sister. Shimon ben Prachi went to Alexandria in Mitzrayim. When finally there was peace, Shimon ben Shatach sent a message from me, Yerushalayim, the holy city, to Alexandria in Egypt. Oh, my sister, my husband, dwelt in the mist. I abide in desolate. At this point, Rabbi Shua rose, came back, found himself in a certain inn, and they saw it was Rabbi Shua, they gave him great respect. And Rabbi Shua said, how beautiful is this Aksanya, this hotel. One of his Talmidim said, Master, how can you say that if this hostess that she says beautiful the eyes are narrowed. Yeshua said, Wicked person, he said to him. Such thoughts come to you. And he sent forth 400 shafers to excommunicate this person. Many times he came before him and said, Please accept me back, and refused to notice him. One day Rabbi Shua was saying, Kriyashma, he came before him. His intention was to receive him. And he made a sign with him with his hand. He couldn't talk. And the Talmud thought he was sending him away. So he set up Rabbi Shua said to him, do tshuva. He said, this is the answer I got from you. And that's why I sinned. And caused others to sin. And this disciple, one of the son, made many Jews sin as well. And this is therefore the message of tshuva, the importance of tshuva, and what we do, what, how we have to do leading up to Chag HaShavuiz. The question was sent in now, if the saint is proven innocent, she's rewarded with children, with barren women, who only pretended to be guilty, be rewarded as well, if not, why not? A woman could not pretend to be a Saita. 
Satan has many, many different rules to it. The woman has to um, the woman has to be warned by the husband, has to be seen by witnesses, warned by witnesses. It's very, very much more involved than that. And therefore it would not just come about that by accident the, the barren woman could pull us such a shtick. But anyway, we will all do tshuva properly and we will all see to it that this Shabbos, the Shabbos Achtos, as the Rebbe said, we're all gathered together, that we all come in front of the mountain and we'll be sitting, and we'll be zeche, we'll merit to hear the Tikab Shefa God and we'll merit to be in Yerushalayim Irakadesh and bring the carbon and shvuas <coughs> even if we have to make it up to the twelfth day. Shabbat Shalom to all.